it's time for another episode of Spies, Lies, and Private Eyes. Here's your host, Terrence McCauley. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Spies, Lies, and Private Eyes, right here on the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. My guest today is Eric LaSalle. He is an award-winning actor, director, producer, and a masterful storyteller. Uh, television audiences will remember him from his years portraying Dr. Peter Benton on ER, and thriller readers will remember his highly acclaimed Martyr Maker novels. Laws of Annihilation is his third book in that series. Eric, thank you so much for being here. It's a great honor. Hey, thanks for having me. Great to be no here. No problem at all. So why don't you tell us a little bit about Laws of Annihilation and uh, the entire series that you've created there? Uh, well, uh, so we started with uh, the first book was Laws of Depravity, uh, which was then followed by Laws of Wrath, and now with the release of Laws of Annihilation. Mm -hmm. uh, basically, I have three protagonists, um, tonally and story-wise. Uh, the first book is very reminiscent of the movie Seven with Brad Pitt and uh, Morgan Freeman. Wow. Uh, and so we have um, our three protagonists, uh, uh, Quincy, who is Irish-Italian-American. Uh, he is a New York City detective. Uh, he is partnered with uh, Fee Freeman, um, who is African-American. Mm -hmm. uh, a former uh, NFL player and uh, the son of a notorious Harlem gangster uh, turned legitimate businessman. And the th third protagonist is uh, Janet Macklin, who is um, half Jewish. Uh, she's an FBI agent. Uh, and the three of them, the, the, the two detectives um, in New York um, are considered the best closers um, of cases. Uh, they have the highest close rate. Uh, they only, at this point in their careers, uh, they only investigate high-profile serial killings. Uh, okay. the first book, they are introduced to uh, Janet Macklin because she is pursuing a federal case uh, against a serial killer, which happens to land in New York in their backyard. So that's how the three of them uh, come together and uh, and basically work uh, um, each case. So each book, of course, has a different case. Um, and we, uh, the interesting thing about the novels that I that I really like is how each case will affect one of our three protagonists in a very personal way. Right. In the first book, which focuses a little bit more on uh, Quincy, uh, who was an altar boy growing up, who was also molested by uh, by a priest. Uh, the first case has them investigating uh, fallen clergy that's being murdered. And mm -hmm. so Quincy has a lot of conflict because come to find out that a lot of these clergy are pedophiles, they are charlatans, they are, you know, uh, fraudsters. Uh, and so, uh, but that case affects him very personally. The second book, Laws of Wrath, uh, focuses a little bit more on Fee, um, who, like I said, his father was a notorious gangster. Some of the um, 
criminal things that he did and some of the horrible things that he did in his past, although he's now a legitimate businessman, but his past comes back to haunt him. Mm-hmm. And that case personally affects Fee. The third book, uh, Laws of Annihilation, uh, Janet Macklin, who has uh, dreams of being the first female FBI agent, this is what she's always wanted her entire life, in uh, the opening chapter is diagnosed with terminal cancer. And so that's how we start the book. Uh, and in the second chapter, um, a pair of rabbis are viciously murdered in a synagogue. So this is this case affects her, of course, because you know it's a hate crime. Um, she is getting more and more uh, in touch with her Jewishness. Um, she's also she's sort of grown up um, somewhat indifferent to her culture and to her religion. Um, mm-hmm. But with the investigation of these hate crimes, um, of course, and and her impending doom or death. Um, she just basically starts, you know, it, it, it grounds her in a more spiritual way. It, 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 it opens her up. Uh, so, you know, she is charged with basically her, um, the most important case of her life, uh, while battling, uh, terminal cancer. Uh, so, uh, so she teams up with our, our other two protagonists and they pursue, um, uh, whoever is behind this, we also come to find out that a an African American um, is uh, kidnapped uh, and thrown into a basement, um, and he is racist. Uh, is thrown into the basement with a Jewish, the son of a rabbi, um, a Jewish guy who is also racist, and they have every reason to want to kill each other, um, mm-hmm. but they are both prisoners. Um, so it kind of harkens back a little bit to um, The Defiant Ones, which was an old movie with Sidney Poitier and Tony Curtis, uh, you know, chain gang convicts that are chained together. They hate each other. So uh, so I wanted to explore, and that's a B storyline, but I wanted to explore, uh, you know, the racial hatred and tension. Um, and there's a lot of uh, tension between the African-American community and the Jewish community mm-hmm. uh, because an African-American who was spraying graffiti on a synagogue was chased by uh, a, a group of uh, angry Hasids and uh, he ends up being killed. Well, that happens to be the nephew of the African-American um, who was in prison and the person that did most of the chasing or the leader of the uh, of the mob was the Jewish racist guy who's thrown into um, the basement as well. So we have these very interesting um, dynamics, but the the, the primary storyline really follows Janet Macklin and her, um, you know, journey to try to stop these heinous crimes before she runs out of time. Uh, and so, it, you know, puts us in some very interesting territory. It certainly does. Yeah. And, and it sounds very familiar to a lot of the things that you and I as native New Yorkers grew up seeing happen in the city in the uh, 80s and 90s, especially. And exactly. it takes um, it, it takes a certain amount of courage to be able to want to tell stories like that, especially as you're starting out your writing career uh, as a thriller writer after a career in the more performative arts. Um, it's great that you wanted to be able to tell stories like that as your first foray into writing. Was that what your intention was when you came up with the ideas that you wanted to just do more than just a mystery you wanted or a thriller? You wanted to have something that actually said something that was socially important. 
Absolutely. And all of all of my books are that way, because I, I, I think this I think, um, you know, the average reader takes two to three weeks to read a book. So if you're asking, of course, there are people that are much faster, people are much slower, but in general, um, two to three weeks is a good range. So my, my philosophy has always been, if I'm asking people to give me two to three weeks of their lives, um, I, I want to give them something that resonates. I want to give them, I don't want to give them something that uh, a day after they finish reading it, they've forgotten what the plot was, they've forgotten who the character was. So I, I like um, going in deeper and giving them more than just the quote unquote traditional thriller where the good guys chase the bad guys. Here we have, um, you know, a crime that's committed against, um, you know, the backdrop of, uh, what's happening in society, mm -hmm. um, and, and how it affects our protagonists on a very personal level as they go through personal journeys. Um, so, you know, one thing that I find interesting um, in writing in this genre is that when I first started, I said I never wanted to just make it about the good guys chasing the bad guys. Right. Uh, my books really focus a lot or equally on the good guys chasing themselves. Mm. Uh, so the question is, will they save themselves? Will they um, will their demons undo them before the bad guy gets to undo them? Um, right. and some there are many times where you can, of course, win the battle and lose the war. So that's one of the um, tensions that I like to have. Like they might save the day, but at what cost? And did they lose something? Did they gain something? And so I like to put my protagonists through hell. And if they can make it out on the other side, then they have a better understanding of themselves. But that's the real mystery, really, with my um, novels, that, you know, as much as the case, which is, will they survive? And will they survive intact? Um, so you have that while they're chasing, um, quote, unquote, bad guys. So it gives I, I it just, it, you know, it, it just it resonates. And I just I just I want um, writing, I want my writing to resonate with people. And obviously, the response has been just that people, um, you know, can't put the books down. Uh, they, right. you know, they talk about them, they talk about how it's affected them. And they, and they also talk about how it's um, not their usual type of thriller. Um, I'm, I'm very happy uh, when people tell me, you know, I don't even really like this genre, but I couldn't put your book down. Um, right. Because obviously, based on, like you say, my more performative career um, has been based on characterization and plot. And so I, I, I definitely, um, you know, empower my my stories with a lot of interesting character, flawed characters on both sides, good and bad. Like my 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 protagonists are in some ways almost as flawed as our antagonists. Mm -hmm. uh, so that makes for a very interesting read because like you know they they're not they're not perfect. They you know they they you don't know if they're how far they're going to cross the line. Uh, right. What's it's going to cost them so but that's the kind of thing that I think sticks with readers and that's in, in my case that's definitely been the uh, response and uh, and so I want to continue telling those type of stories right and I can understand why because I've always thought of there, there's uh, several different types of thrillers but two types really stand out more it's the James Bond type where everybody loves seeing what they're doing but they know they'll never be like that 
And so that's why, and there's nothing wrong with it. It's just, that's the, that, that's a genre unto itself. And then there's the one where the protagonist is far more relatable. And right. it, it, it's, and, and that's the kind of stories that you seem to, you have written because you, you, and you want that. And those are what, people love the glitz. They love the fast cars. They love the, you know, the action sequences, but the ones that really stick with them and the ones that give them the book hangover are the ones where they've been personally invested in that character because they can relate to them. Exactly. And I think, you know, the more grounded and the more realistic you make it, um, and that's more frightening because these are not over the top um, characters. You understand, even in, with the um, the bad guys or the antagonists, mm -hmm. uh, I give you a real glimpse into what made them the way that they are, a lot of times in a very empathetic way. And so, you know, as an actor starting, you know, my training, one of the first things I learned in, 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 uh, in school was don't judge your characters. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I don't, I don't judge my bad characters. They, they do, you know, like you look at uh, Iago, you look at Richard III from Shakespeare, um, they, they committed some heinous crimes, but they felt justified uh, based on um, certain um, things that were injustices that were done against them, inequalities, et cetera. Uh, and so I think when you do it, I think it makes it more frightening because all of a sudden you start realizing this could be my next door neighbor um, because what got them there is so relatable and, uh, and and that makes it even more frightening as opposed to, like you say, the John James Bond type characters that, you know, the characters that we can't really relate to. They're these right. ultra billionaires who want world dominance, and, you know, and that's like you say, it's great entertainment for what it yeah. is. But um, I like a more intimate, um, challenging approach to storytelling um, and a more relatable um, uh, approach that I think frightens people a little bit more. Right. And also they can relate to it because over the course of three, these three books, each of these characters has evolved in some uh, some sense. So would you say that it's uh, it doesn't seem to be the kind of series that you could just pick up one book and read it independently, but it would behoove you to start from the beginning, not like Game of Thrones, where if you don't read the first book, you're completely lost by the seventh book if you don't know what happened, but right. that you would get to enjoy the journey a little bit more and see the evolution of the characters if you start from one and then go to three. Absolutely. absolutely. And, you know, I write, I write each book technically as a standalone book. So yes, you could pick it up and read it and get a great story. But of course, when you know the series, there are, mm. you know, these delicious cookies. Um, right. throughout. So if you've read one and now in book three, there's a reference to an orange flower. Well, to most readers that might not, you know, to new readers that might not mean much, but to people that have been following, they're like, oh my God, that's the, you know, there was a reference in the first book, that orange flower symbol, you know, and I'm just making this up, but I'm just saying sure. that's, so I, I like to reward um, the faithful readers. Um, and also, you know, my books have, uh, you know, the thing that people comment the most, uh, the, the, the two things that they comment is the, the fast pace, the edge of the seat, uh, edge of your seat, fast pace, um, which is, you know, I just, something that to me just keeps you really engaged and really involved, you know? And so I like to, I like to write in a in a fast breakneck 
speed, mm-hmm. uh, uh, short chapters, but really it just keeps it moving. And right. so those are the types of things that I'm really, really proud of. And, and that's sort of a, a, one of the staples of, of this series. But the other thing that uh, people comment on you know, are the twists. Right. Uh, the unexpected twists, the cliffhangers, the like, you know, you get and you're like, oh, my God, I did not see that coming. Uh, and so when you read them out of order, yes, you you miss or compromise some of it because uh, you know, there's a huge twist at the end of book one. Huge. Like people are like, oh, my God, never saw that coming. Right. Well, if you come up, if you pick up book two, you already know what happens so you're robbing yourself of that oh shit moment <laughs> you right, know right. <laughs> yeah so so it's so yes they can be read as standalones uh but there's definitely more value in reading them in a chronological order but i mean i mean i get it i you know i i just i appreciate readers and i mean i have many people right now that's reading laws of annihilation and they're like they just finish. They leave a review, and you, you know, and they're like, "Oh my God, I got to go back and start this whole series." You know what I mean? So they, however they come to it, uh, but also it's really cool because there have also been plenty of people that said, "I got the third book, but I want to start with the first and second. So some readers already have their discipline and have how they like to enjoy a franchise. Right. Uh, so I mean, like I said, if no matter where you jump in, you can take it as a standalone book. But when you read it in in order, you definitely get some really nice surprises, cliffhangers, twists, uh, and 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 cookies. Um, that you know these nice nice little gifts and rewards of like, oh, I know what. Okay, I know what that means. So yeah, so I, I really right. like. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's fantastic, and it also must have been a thrill for you when you got the high praise that someone said, "I've never read this kind of book before." but you made me want to read more of them. I've had that experience in my Westerns where people know me for my crime thrillers or my, my, uh, my, my crime novels or my, my techno thrillers. And they'll say, you know what? I really don't read Westerns, but I read yours. And now I'm, I'm a huge fan of the genre. That's a, that must have been a real thrill for you, especially this being one of your first writing uh, endeavors and then to be able to make converts as well at the same time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, very, very gratifying. Very gratifying. Yeah, I can imagine. And, and also, as an actor and as a director and as a producer, you've been on all and, and, and on stage, you've been on all sides of the creative process. But I would imagine being a writer of, especially of, of a novel and a series of novels, it has different creative receptors firing off in your mind. I know a lot of people who aren't artists don't get that, but I entirely do. And I can imagine that this has opened up a whole new wave of creativity for you that your other endeavors might not have done. Could you well, talk you know, about you, that? Well, we, we as, as authors, and you can understand this and relate, we create entire worlds, we create universes, we create communities, we create, and so there's nothing, um, well, very little more gratifying than when a character comes to life and leaps off the page um people can people can feel they can they can they can um in a text in in a textual sense they can feel the environment they can feel the weather they can feel the city you know coming from new york or having lived in new york Mm. um 
you know, I, I make New York a character in the book. And so people uh, from New York really, again, they understand things, but people that's not from New York, they're like, oh, wow. So you get that texture. So that's, right. it's really, really gratifying when you, yeah, when you can do that. So, um, you know, I look at all of this as just elements of storytelling, I, you know, my acting, my directing, my producing, and, you know, my writing as an author. Um, they they complement each other. Um, being an actor makes me a better director. Being a director makes me a better overall storyteller because when you're an actor, you're focused on one thing, your character. Mm. When you're a director, you're focused on every aspect of it. When you're a producer, you're you're focused on every aspect of it. So those things make me an overall better storyteller. So, they, so those titles help with my writing. My writing helps with... Um, those times because I understand, I know how to talk to writers. I know how to um, talk to actors. I know how to, so I'm, I'm blessed. I, I put it all under the umbrella of storytelling and, uh, and each has its um, uh, specific benefits and, and pluses some overlap and some are very specific to that specific uh, discipline. So right. uh, I just, you know, I take, I take it as a blessing and it's, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And and you've you've done a great job throughout your career, no matter what you were doing, of taking where the, the status of whatever medium you were in and pushing it just a lot further to that next level. And that's what you've done in television. And that's what you've and you've done behind the camera. And that's what you're doing here with uh, with thrillers. And uh, as someone who's a member of that community and a, and a reader, first and foremost, I thank you for all of that. That's uh, it, it's great work. Thank you. Um, so as you're, I, I, it sounds like you've got the writing bug and it sounds like you're going to stick with it. Can you share with us what might be next on the uh, literary front for you? Yes. Uh, so uh, as you know, we just ended, um, my industry just in, ended the strike yesterday. So it's officially over at 12 o'clock. Uh, I think today is officially over. Thank God. Uh, and so uh I want to celebrate it. Ironically, I did not write in the six or seven months that we were down, okay. but I did get up this morning and start writing. Um, so I'm working on um, my next book. I already have uh, another book in the series, 98% um, complete. I just need to tweak a little bit. Uh, so this is the next one. I will then decide which order they they come out. Uh, so I like to basically have um, books, you know, in, in the loop, you know what I mean? And, right. and instead of like waiting till the last minute to write, I like to always like to have one. And then now you, I can spend time and let it breathe and tweak it. But as opposed to, oh my God, I've got this deadline. Uh, I need to hurry up and write this book because right. it's the writing feels forced. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, so I have uh, started writing that. Um, I have another book that I've been working on uh, for quite some time, which is like you, it's a completely different genre than what people are becoming accustomed to me writing. Uh, it's a family drama and it's uh, loosely based on my mother. So um, I'll have to decide, you know, when does that come out? And, right. you, know, how we, you know, how do we, uh, if people are looking for like, these edgy thrillers all of a sudden you've got like this 
really dramatic um, family thing. Uh, so I, I'm gonna have to figure out how to market that to let them know. And and so I don't know what, you know, do I let them, do I release that book after I've sort of uh, you know, either finished or put uh, this series on pause. So right now in this series, uh, I'm looking at five books in the series. Okay. So this is book number three. Uh, mm -hmm. Like I said, I'm pretty much pretty, close to finishing um the fourth book uh and then just wanting to start the fifth book and i'm not sure again which order but um but yeah i, I definitely want to and then maybe i'll do the the drama so you know but it's i mean listen that's those are blessings those are that's, hey. a, that's an embarrassment of riches which i you know which i'm i'm just thankful for yeah and that that's the best way to look at it and uh, i i'm sure you're going to be uh coming out with a lot of great stuff in the very near future. Um, if people want to keep track of you, what's the best way they can follow your career? Uh, you know, a, a website, are you active on social media? What's the best way for people? Yes, I'm active on social media, TikTok, uh, Instagram, uh, X, uh, Facebook, and everything is Eric LaSalle. Uh, right. and so, you know, just keep it pretty simple. Yeah, <laughs> um, and so that's a great way to, um, Stanchez, we we will be launching. Um, uh, well, we we have a website. I am Eric LaSalle, uh, but um, we are now going to start doing mailing lists, etc., and start really engaging more. So we're in the process of doing that. So I've been relying much more heavily on social media, mm -hmm. but now that the books are doing well. Uh, and people, you know, like reaching out and then we can announce exactly, you know, this interview, what's, what's happening on publicity, what's happening on appearances, what's happening creatively, uh, what's happening in my television career, my directing career, my acting career, producing. Uh, right. so, uh, so yeah, so I am Eric LaSalle, um, is the website. And so we are, um, you know, looking into, you know, doing that much more. That's fantastic. Well, sir, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me and my audience today. And we'll look forward to seeing more things come from you in the uh, months and years ahead. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. This was great. And uh, yeah, I, I, and again, I encourage your fans, uh, your, your listeners, uh, you know, when they read the books, uh, reach out. I, engage, I, like, I love to engage with readers. That's, that's what makes us who we are. And, and that's who we're always trying to uh you know satisfy and and please so uh so yeah so when people read the books i encourage them reach out to me um and let me know what you think um but i definitely love to stay engaged with readers i love readers and uh so a lot of times you know we'll have book clubs hey can you right. do a virtual you know so yes i do i do all of that i'm very very involved with readers and and and, and really respect um and appreciate the readers so i'm very accessible so i, I encourage them to reach out after they've read it and so do i and yeah no, it's, it's great getting that feedback from them well thank you very much and thank you once again everybody for tuning in for another edition of spies lies and private eyes right here on the authors on the air global radio network we'll see you next time everybody Take care. You have been listening to Spies, Lies, and Private Eyes with host Terrence McCauley on Authors on the Air Global Radio Network.